So, gloomy and more uncertain. They are not exactly uplifting words to start your Tuesday off with, are they? But that is the title of the latest report from the IMF, and it certainly reflects the mood this morning as uncertainty abounds with the war in Ukraine not going anywhere except perhaps down the road of escalation. The Bank of England has tried to calm markets ahead of the costed budget from Kwasi Kwarteng, but there's certainly a lot of nervousness about what's going to be in it, and yields are pushing ever higher there. In fact, the Bank of England possibly made things worse. And the Aussie dollar, well, it is the worst of the major currencies this morning. We'll look at why that is this Tuesday, the 11th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar up ever higher, up 0.3%, over 113 on the DXY this morning. Actually, not far short of 115 earlier, so it is definitely still careering upwards. Uh, which major currency felt the most today? Well, sadly, the Aussie dollar down 1.2%, and that is after a bit of a recovery. It's at 63 US cents now, and 0.4% fall in the pound, uh, in the euro, I should say, the pound down a quarter percent. US stocks down again, a 1% fall in the NASDAQ at close. Uh, that's after a bit of a recovery. The S&P 500 down three quarters of one percent and a 0.3 percent drop in the dow we also had a half percent fall in the euro stocks 50 and the FTSE 100 bond markets closed in the u.s but we saw a 24 basis point rise in 10-year gilt yields they hit 4.6 percent overnight german 10-year bond yields are up 14 basis points in holland they're up 15 in uh, on futures 10-year treasuries are up about 10 basis points back almost to the four percent mark and oil today down again wti and brent both down two percent brent now below $96 a barrel. Uh, Rodrigo Catrill joins me today from NAB in Sydney. So it's all about risk today, isn't it? Not a sleepy public holiday at all, even though it is, uh, or it was, Columbus Day in the United States. So some of this risk, some of it is the Fed and central banks, but a chunk of it has to be related to Ukraine, doesn't it? A war that almost certainly is going to escalate as we uh, we saw those missiles hitting Kiev yesterday. None of that will have helped, will it? Um, morning, Phil. Yeah, so there's been a, a combination of, of, of stories that really have hit um, risk sentiment. But as you say, there's um, concerns around what next, essentially. We've seen Russia retaliate um, and attacking Kiev and, and, added, and other Ukraine cities. Uh, and the question mark is like, well, what does the West do about this? And do you escalate and try to respond? Or um, So it's a big question mark. And of course, uh, Putin has also warned that any further retaliations will be, um, or rather any attacks on, on Russian soil, um, will be you know, met with, with further retaliation. So um, uh, President Biden last, last week was talking about this notion that we need to give uh, Putin a, a, you know, a way out of this. And, and unfortunately, all these events over, over the weekend makes it even harder to find... He's a, not going to take it, is he? He's, he's exactly. not going to take any way. I mean, so, I mean, the only thing that... I think the next stage is probably going to be some sort of air defence system or a, a warning system that, uh, you know, like, like, like we're seeing in Israel being, uh, being introduced, the West helping with that. If the West starts to introduce aircraft, uh, then that's an escalation, isn't well, it? Well, that, that in itself is an escalation, right? And, it's, and mm. Putin has referred to that as being a further escalation, a further support of the West to, to, to Ukraine. So um, it's, it, it remains very, very delicate. And I suppose the takeaway here is that whilst there were some hopes a few weeks ago that maybe things will de-escalate, um, that has proven to be a wrong assumption and, and things mm. are getting worse. And, and we need to be mindful that they could actually get even worse before we, we start seeing hopes of any, any sort of de-escalation as well. 
So what about uh, how much are the other reasons for this uh, for, for this risky mood today? So has the Bank of England got a bit to do with that as well? Because we saw 30-year yields in the UK get up to 4.8% uh, overnight, uh, which isn't far off the 5% where they peaked just after their maxi mini budget. And it seems like this was because the, the Bank of England uh, was, I mean, what are they trying to do? They are, they're trying to position, so they've, they've obviously been buying up bonds, but not many. Uh, in that uh, the long end uh, and they've just announced they're going to up the amount that they can buy each day from 5 billion to 10 billion even though they've only actually bought 5 billion so far and it's supposed to finish on Friday uh, so are they expecting some extreme moves this week is that why markets are a bit jittery they've also launched a temporary repo facility as well until the 10th of November uh, so if they were trying to calm the markets it didn't work because it, <laughs> it had the opposite effect didn't it it has had the opposite effect. So I suppose it's been a combination of things. One, um, there was um, this expectation that the Chancellor will bring forward uh, his full set of economic fiscal forecasts. And now that's been confirmed. So now we know that it's coming on the 31st of October. And at the yeah. same time, we also know that the Office for Budget Responsibility will provide its um, forecast on, on the 31st of October. So, And there'll be um, a few days after that for it to be absorbed before the next Bank of England meeting. I guess yeah, that's, so, that's, so that's, that's the that's, important So basically, it's, it's a nice combination. So now that the market has this confirmation that things are coming, uh, it remains to be seen, for one, whether the, the growth um, um, program or is credible um, mm. and to what extent um, is going to be funded by an increase in taxes and, and to what extent is going to be funded by a decrease in, in right. uh, expenditures on social welfare. So that in itself means that there's likely to be a lot of political tensions around um, the support or not support of, of this plan. Um, right. So now, there's more concern because it's all just been brought forward in effect. Exactly. So now we know when it's coming. And, and, mm. and as you say, the other issue is that now we also sort of have I think that, uh, you know, reading market commentary, some some uh, com some participants were expecting maybe that the bank would extend this emergency program. And instead, it's now clear, made it very clear that it's, you know, it's ending on the 14th with no uh, possible extensions. And that they've introduced this temporary repo facility, um, which essentially allows for the use of corporate bonds um, and um, to use as collateral instead of selling those uh, those guilds. So uh, the idea was to provide a bit of relief to, to the guild market, um, uh, but the market certainly now gotten really nervous about what this all means. Um, mm. and, uh, and then we've seen that massive spike in, 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 in guilds across the board. Now, the other thing that's super important, I think, because when you look at the performance of, of, of the pound, it, it has fallen a little bit today. Uh, it hasn't been the massive underperformer. The Aussie, in fact, has been the one that has led the declines. Um, but what we've seen as well is a massive increase in, in rate hike expectations for, from the Bank of England. So we already had the Bank of England uh, price for 117 basis point, 118 basis point of hikes uh, on the 3rd of November. Gee. Now there's now another 100, just over 100 hikes in December. And now the cash rate is expected to hit 5.82 uh, uh, around the middle of next year. So that's doubling the, the, the cash rate already. So if you want to now, um, it's the, if you want to buy a cheap house in the UK, next year is going to be the time to do it, isn't it? I mean, that is yeah. going to be beyond the, the, the ability for most people to maintain their mortgage. I mean, that is if that happens, that is uh, going to be catastrophic, I would have thought, for the for the UK economy. But Yes, uh, anyway. so you have that scenario that if this plays out as the market expects, the, the, mm. the, the, the housing market in the UK it will be completely smashed. 
whilst at the same time there's some question marks that said it will be unprecedented for the Bank of England to hike by 100 basis points, uh, you know, in two consecutive months and then put another 70 after that and then another 50 after that. So it, it, it is a very, very aggressive hiking path. And if the Bank of England does not deliver on that path, then we need to, you know, the the sterling will be facing massive downside risk as well. So a lot of volatility is still they expected in, in the, uh, coming from the UK, not only from the rates market, but also from the currency as well. They can't deliver at that rate, surely. Uh, look, at the, the Aussie dollar you mentioned as well, and I, I said early on. So is that, we know that Joe Biden is now restricting China's access to advanced semiconductors. I think part of this is because they don't want them to get access to chips that can be used in supercomputers for artificial I- intelligence, particularly for military for and particularly for weapons of mass destruction, you know, because we want to keep all the, that ability to destroy the world faster. Uh, we want to keep that all to ourselves. So that is part of it, isn't it? And that that is just another example of how the world is dividing between the West and autocracies. And it makes you wonder whether, in fact, trade will ever be the same again uh, between uh, between the West and China, for example. You know, that, that cosy relationship that we had between Australia and China. I mean, I, I think those days are gone, haven't they? So is that why we're seeing uh, is it that sort of uh, expectation which is which is hitting the Aussie uh, today? Because, we, you know, big fall today. Yeah, so I suppose there's a couple of things there. One, um, you know, you could also argue that the timing of this uh, seems quite impeccable, bearing in mind that, you know, China's just beginning this party congress and, and the announcement of President Xi for a third term. Um, mm. So so we know the last five, five years ago, President Xi made that big speech about his intentions of becoming, you know, the leading power, if you like, in terms of technology, in terms of robotics and so on. Um, uh, so, so this again is a reminder that you know to to get to this to these goals that China wants to achieve, you need quite a lot of um, you know high tech coming from from the West and particularly the US, um, and of course the US is going to make sure that that doesn't quite happen as as planned. So, um, what we've seen, of course, is that not only the Philadelphia Stock Exchange has. Um, fallen significantly. Um, it was down 4.6% today, but when you look at the performance over the year, it's down 40%. Um, mm. But also we've seen uh, Chinese stocks decline significantly over 2%. Um, and also because uh, we got to remember that on uh, the news around the PMI, the Kaizen Services PMI, which was a massive decline on, on Saturday, the market hadn't had a chance to react to it. Right. And so over the weekend, we had those news coming from President Biden. And we also had the Kaizen PMI significant decline. Um, so then the Aussie really got lower from, from, the, from the start of the, of the APEC session. Um, and it actually traded just below 63 cents before all the uncertainty coming from Europe uh, began. So, um, so it's been sort of the perfect storm for the Aussie in the sense of the Chinese news coming and the geopolitical tensions, which is not just about Russia, but also U.S.-China tensions um, and also the, the decline in, in, in equity markets in general. And, and finally, you know, the, the Aussie from a technical perspective looks vulnerable at, at current levels because it doesn't have a lot of sort of technical support around this level. So it is susceptible to 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 all this bad news and, uh, and clearly mm. the underperforming on the day. Um, and we're certainly getting lots of bad news, aren't we? So uh, more bad news, the IMF, uh, the, the, the latest World Economic Outlook, their headline, gloomy and more uncertain. Such a nifty headline. I'm stealing it for today's podcast, actually. But their, their, their forecast for the global economy is uh, 
2% now for this year, 0.4% lower than they're saying in April, uh, down 1.4% in the US. They're saying largely because of uh, of tighter monetary policy. So, I mean, I don't know how useful these forecasts are. All we know is every time a forecast is produced, it's revised downwards from last time. <laughs> yes, Um and, and I suppose just on that, we, we've also had Fed speakers overnight. And, and, and again, the distinction in terms of the narrative and rationale is, is quite important and quite relevant, I think, when we think about what the RBA has been saying. So uh, the Fed and Fed speakers are, are really talking about slowing down the economy. They're also talking about the need for an increase in unemployment um, as part of the solution to, to bring inflation down. And, uh, yeah. and Fed even... Fed Evans, which is always being considered more sort of on the dovish side, again reiterated the message that he expects the, the, the Fed funds rate to hit just above uh, 4.5% early in 2023. And uh, and then that's where the, the Fed will look to pause and look uh, and see how uh, all its tightening is having an effect on the economy. So right. very much focused around bringing inflation down at all costs and, and to some extent a reminder that slower growth and uh, a, a weaker labour market is, is part of the solution. But then with that weaker labour market, obviously the reason they want that is because they want to see wages go down. But that's taking, I mean, both of those, the number of people in work is, is holding up and wages are holding up. So it's going to be interesting. We get the uh, the UK employment data later on today. Uh, that, I think the expectation is the number of people employed there is expected to fall about 150,000 in July. But average earnings will be interesting because uh, last time it was up 5.5% year on year. So, I mean, that you know, quite, quite a rise in wages happening there that's a, there's a lot of dampening to occur before we start to see that coming down yes and the unemployment is not expect, is expected to remain unchanged yeah um, while average weekly earnings uh, is expected to rise to 5.9 from 5.5 so and if you, ex, you do x bonus it would be 5.3 or expected to be 5.3 versus 5.2 so no mm. signs of of a cooling down of the labor market if you like uh, in in the uk um also, although there's always that argument that you know wages are increasing because of the spiral effect of inflation being so elevated and, and they're just trying to catch up. So in the real terms, they're going backwards. But um, it is a challenging environment for, for the Bank of England again in terms of what it has to do. Yeah, meanwhile, just about everyone's on strike over there. Uh, the NAB Business Survey today and the uh, the Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment Report for October. So this is going to be interesting because we've been seeing this widening in sentiment, haven't we, between business and consumers from these two surveys. So businesses have got a rosier outlook uh, because they're not worried about their mortgages, of course. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, one, one way of thinking about it is that businesses have been able to pass through those increasing costs. Yeah. Um, and the question mark is, you know, as as the labor market, as the, the RBA continues to tighten, uh, the global economy slows down, um, then that ability from businesses um, will probably become a bit more challenging. Um, and then, uh, so, so it'll be interesting to think how, how things play out over over the coming quarters. But uh, um, I, I suppose the other important message or, or sort of data that we will be looking in the survey is those price pressures. Um, um, we got to remember that the, the survey has been very good at sort of foretelling this increase in in, in cost, uh, not only from retail prices, but labor cost and purchasing cost, uh, and they remain extremely elevated. Um, and um, that will be important in terms of the dynamics and expectations for inflation over coming months uh, for Australia as well. 
So the other interesting thing today is going to be uh, the uh, overseas arrivals and departures data. That's out today. Uh, of course, whatever the number is, it's going to be very well below where it was in uh, November 2019. We would, you know, just before the pandemic, we were seeing two million arrivals a month. August this year, half that number. So there's still a long way to go. And December, of course, is always the month. That's the peak month. So the industry is going to be looking to see how close they can get to previous levels, but a long way off. And then, of course, you know, I mean, we'll also be looking to see how many of them people, how many are students returning, of course, which is uh, obviously a big revenue for Australia. Yes. And also for the labor market will be important. So um, mm. I, I suppose the, um, the leading indicators, if you like, from information that we get in terms of visa grants and and also the efforts that the government is said to have been putting in place in order to speed up the process. What we're hoping to see is an acceleration in those numbers, um, which will be uh, welcome news. Um, so we'll have to wait and see yeah. what they look like. Yeah, we will. But airfares are very expensive. That's uh, that's what's going to be holding it back, isn't it? So you <laughs> yes. mentioned uh, so so the NFIB Small Business Optimism Survey in the US tonight. Uh, tell us about that very quickly, and then uh, yeah, more Fed speakers again. So yeah, we're hanging on every word from them at the moment, aren't we? Yes, um, and uh, so not not much expected for NFIB. It's expected to be unchanged at ninety one point eight. We do have ECB Lane and also Bank of England Bailey right. and Cuncliffe uh, speaking. So yes. those will be important as well, given all the all, all that has happened uh, overnight. And and we don't really expect any new sort of new news coming from Fed Mester. Again, a reiteration that uh, the Fed funds rate is going up, and we need to be ready for that. Right. Okay. Plenty going on. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you again soon. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. And that's how things are this Tuesday morning. That's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby, back again tomorrow morning. See you then.